Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. All right, good morning. Thanks for being here this morning. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and I'm going to read the passage that I'm going to preach through this morning. If you're new to Oak City Church, um, this is something we started doing about a year ago, and, and really as a way of viscerally recognizing that God, God's words carry more weight than our words do, and that we're grateful that he's given us his word. So I'm going to read this, and then I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and you'll say, thanks be to God. Okay, this is Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he'd said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you guys can have a seat. Um, We are starting a a series in the book of Acts, and um, it's what we're going to be doing uh, throughout the summer when uh, I am not going to be here, because I'm going on sabbatical starting next week. Not next week, starting the week after, um, but starting next week after service. Uh, And we've talked about that a few times, and I'm bummed to be missing the chance to preach on the book of Acts, because it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. <laughs> and, but I picked it, and, and uh, the group of uh, guys that are preaching picked it um, in, in large part, I guess, because it's, it's such a great book <laughs> to preach and just to, to see the things that God did and to, and to talk about what God's doing now. And Susan's a great example of an Acts-like thing, not just right now, but the last 10 years of Susan's life looks like the book of Acts. And so it's going to be a great series, and it's um, it's a great book. So it comes right after Easter. Easter was last week. And after Easter, Jesus rises from the dead, and there's 40 days where Jesus uh, appears to people a number of times. So um, it's like 40 days of Jesus kind of hanging out with everybody uh, and that had to be a like really, really strange time if you think about that. So um, uh, Luke writes the book of Acts, and he starts it this way. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do in cheats. So a little background on Acts. Acts is the second part of a two-part deal between Luke, the gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts. And so Luke wrote both of them. Luke was not one of the original apostles. He was a doctor and an historian. He was meticulous. Uh, He starts the book of Luke writing to the same guy, Theophilus. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. 
And so he's writing and saying, these are not rumors, these are not legends, I've investigated them. This is from eyewitness accounts, how it actually happened. And he's writing to a guy named Theophilus, who, I don't know who that is, some people think it's like a false name for someone that's like maybe the cousin of the emperor, like all these things about it. But most excellent Theophilus means that someone who's important, it's investigating the claims of Christ that really wants to know about this. And Luke has given it to him, and now with Acts, he's um, talking about uh, the beginning of the church. And so, um, and he says in this, uh, in this verse here, until the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he would chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many, and I added convincing, it's in the NIV, but it's not in this translation, the, the ESV, by many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So, so 40 days, um, he appears to them, and in a lot of those appearances, he really is overcoming skepticism about the situation. Like, we think if we could see Jesus, like, that would settle the issue for us. Apparently, it didn't, because he's dealing with skepticism like, every time he sees somebody, they're like, wait, you can't be real. Like, let me touch you. Eat something, you know? And so that's what he does. So, we, you know, and, and a lot of these we have recorded. Mary in the garden, and then on the road to Emmaus, he appears to do disciples, and then he has dinner with the disciples later that night, but Thomas isn't there. So eight days later, he has dinner with Thomas, who becomes Doubting Thomas, you know, but he puts his fingers in the holes um, where, the, where the, um, the nails were. Paul tells us in Corinthians that Jesus appeared to Cephas, to Paul, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, which when he's writing to the church in Corinth is a way of saying, hey, if you want to talk to some people that saw Jesus, go to Jerusalem because they're still there. And then he appeared to James, his brother, half-brother, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, Paul says, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Um, and then we've got the appearance in Galilee, uh, by the Sea of Galilee, where he appears to the disciples, and then when, um, when he ascends into heaven. Uh, and so it's like, that's got to be crazy. It's got to be a crazy time. But there's got to be a bit of ambiguity about, we've had three years with Jesus and this ministry and his teaching and all that's great. He's risen from the dead. Like, what happens next? Um, but it seems a little ambiguous about what happens. Uh, have you ever had a so have you ever had a boss who's ambiguous? I guarantee you, like in descriptions of bosses, you know, when you're saying, my boss, man, she's great. She is super ambiguous. Um, and that's just what I'm looking for in a boss, right? You don't want that. Have you ever been a boss who's ambiguous? Because um, I'm pretty sure I have. And it's just not what you want. One of my frustrations at the church that we were at before we started Oak City Church, and I loved that church, and I loved the people that served my bosses, but my job, in fact, was loosely, was loosely related to my job description on paper. And so every year when we had a review, it was once a year, I always wondered what we were going to talk about, because I didn't even have a great idea that the person serving as my boss knew what I was actually doing, you know, and so it was always a little bit, and then you have to kind of act like you have it together if you're a boss in that situation, like you've been paying more attention than you have, um, but it always kind of comes out. And I was associate pastor, and that's what you do as an associate pastor is whatever needs to get done, um, but I wanted more clarity, and really when we started the church, and 
in, in, over time, as I've had folks working for me, I've tried to keep their job, like, really tied to their job description, and then me do all the, the stuff that doesn't fit in anybody's job description, which wasn't a good plan either. Everybody wants to know what the win is. You know, it's human nature to want to know, like, if things are going well. Did you have a good morning? Did you have a good morning? Anybody not have a good morning? Anybody willing to cop to that? Like, because you, you, have, you have a set of criteria, whether it's defined or not, that dictate whether or not your morning was good or not. It might have something to do with your coffee. If you have children, it has something to do with your children. You might be thinking, you know, the jury's still out on that, buddy. Keep talking, and I'll let you know in a little while whether this was a good morning or not. Um, uh, have you had a good week? You had a good year? You had a good life? You've got criteria for all those things to define it, you know. Um, John Fouché has been on staff for over a year now. He's a great boss. He has, he has people set quarterly goals. Those goals, he has the elder board working work to, like, make sure that the staff goals are related to the elder goals, that all of this thing is in a plan that's working together. Um, quarterly, you go through those goals and talk about how you did according to those goals. The annual review is based on those quarterly reviews, and so you pretty much know how that's going to go at the end of the year. There's a what you're supposed to do, there's a how can I help you do it, and there's a when is this going to get done, and that's, that's what we want. I feel like the disciples, and this isn't totally there, you know what I mean, but I think it's relatable, are looking for a job description with a risen Jesus and what's going to happen next, and, and I think they have ideas too. So in this passage, it says, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So he's not telling them what's next. I feel like this is a little passive-aggressive push. Like, can we have the kingdom now? And they've got pretty specific ideas when they say that. They are looking for a physical, political kingdom that's got Israel you know, as the, the name of it. They want their people in charge. Israel had had their day in history, like a thousand years before this. King David and King Solomon had a kingdom, were famous, but then that kingdom went away. And at this point, Rome, Rome dominates the map, and Israel is a tiny little outpost for Rome. And Jesus has been talking about the kingdom, and there's a promise of a kingdom all throughout the Old Testament, and they want to see it. And they figure that's what's coming next. And they, you can see in this, um, is it at this time? Is it now? Uh, they are expecting the immediate arrival of the kingdom. And they can be forgiven for thinking that because when you read through the Gospels, what, is, what does Jesus say the gospel is? What does Jesus say the gospel is? The kingdom is near. The kingdom of God is here. Like, that's what the good news is. And so now there's a resurrected Jesus, and anything's possible. And so for them, it's go time, you know? Let's get this done. And so Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he really gives them a when, he gives them a how, and he gives them a what. So he gives them a when. God's kingdom is going to come in God's time, not our time. He gives them a how. The power of God's spirit is going to accomplish God's will. And he gives them a what. 
that we are going to be witnesses to the power and presence of God in our lives, in our world. So let's start with the, with the when. And they are asking, can it be now? And he's saying, uh, I'm not telling you when. Which has to be like just slightly disappointing, you know? Uh, it's not for you to know. It's above your pay grade. It's a little bit like saying, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Uh, Jesus to the disciples. And in hindsight... Um, maybe that maybe that makes sense. Um, if two years ago when COVID hit, I remember I remember specifically a few things specifically about those few months when COVID was coming. I remember one meeting with our financial advisor, and um, who I don't meet with very often. But the market that week had dropped a thousand points in a day, something COVID related, and it was still in China, you know, and. Well, it turns out it was probably here, but this is a whole other series of conversations related to this, right? And I remember saying to him, like, this seems, if the people with the money who probably have a little insight are really concerned about this, this seems like something, this is, it did not seem to me like it was SARS or the bird flu or the things that people had said before, oh, it's a big deal. This one seemed like it was going to be a big deal. And so in staff meeting, I remember talking about this, and we ordered these little plastic cups because what the way we were doing communion is called intinction. So you rip off a piece of bread and dip it into the juice. And, uh, and you guys had already told us that we think it's kind of gross that everybody touches the same bread. So we just started cutting it up. So that was good. And then we got the cups. And we didn't even have a chance to use the cups because it hit so fast. And we canceled service. And we got them on like Amazon Prime. You know, we ordered them Tuesday and got them Thursday. And by Sunday, it was done. And we weren't meeting anymore. Like that's how fast... That it hit. I remember feeling pretty good about myself, saying to staff meeting, guys, I don't think we're going to be out for a few weeks. I think this is probably going to be a few months. And I'm like, oh, you're so smart, Jeff. <laughs> if you had told me it was going to be a few years before things were back to normal, I would have choked you, right? Like, could we have fathomed, if you told us two years ago what the following two years ago, what would you have done? We would have freaked out. That summer, when people started saying, you know what, things aren't going to get back to normal until everybody's vaccinated. And there was no vaccine. And no one had come up with a vaccine in like less than 10 years. Again, I don't want to talk about that. That's a whole other conversation, you know. But like we just could not fathom how long it was going to be. If Jesus had said to them, listen, you guys are a little bit confused about what kingdom I'm talking about. But it's going to take at least 2,000 years. Like, what would they have done? Like... Well, they probably would have slacked off and done nothing because it's 2,000 years. Like, you can't even fathom what he's talking about. I have friends that work, the company in particular I think about is Cisco because I have a couple of good friends that work there. And when it comes up to the end of a quarter for them, man, you don't see them for two weeks because all they do is work. But then the first week of the following quarter, and I'm not saying anybody at Cisco slacks off because they don't. It was recently voted like the, the best place in America to work. But, like, you work really hard up to the deadline, and if Jesus says, that's eh, it's going to be a couple thousand years, we as humans are going to think, eh, let's not worry about it. Uh, here's what he says you need to know about the timing of things. God knows everything that, that we need to know about the timing of things. God is the one that's in control of it. The Father has fixed by his own authority the times and the seasons. God knows exactly when and how the kingdom is going to come and he's not telling you <laughs> because it's a need to know basis and you do not need to know 
I don't think that's necessarily easy news, but I'm glad he told us. Uh, and he is in charge. Okay, here's the second thing that I think um, Jesus does in this. He tells, he gives us a how. The power of God's spirit will accomplish God's will. And so he says, you are going to receive power. And he's been telling them this when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And I'm going to talk a bit about this uh, next week. So the good news is you are going to get power. Uh, who in here likes having power? Don't lie to me. We all like having power, right? Um, so the good news is you're going to get power. The bad news is that you're not going to be in control of the power that you're going to get. Like the Holy Spirit is going to run the show. But man, the Holy Spirit is more than you have ever imagined that the Holy Spirit um, could be. There's a great story, and I can't, honestly, I can't remember if someone's preaching through it, but, but early in the book of Acts about a guy named Simon the Magician. And so he says, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they go to Samaria, and there's a guy named Simon the Magician. And, and in the scripture, it says this guy is like a legend in his, you know, his arena, in his region, um, because he does some crazy magic. It's like, is David Blaine still a thing? I don't know much about musicians, right? But it's like, it's like that. And so he's a big deal. And then Peter comes along, and, and like in the name of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does all this crazy stuff in Samaria. And Simon the magician is like, I got something, but I don't have that. And I don't have anything close to that power. And you remember what he says to Peter? He says, hey, let me buy some of that power from you. And Peter's like, hey, buddy, you don't understand how this works. Like, you don't buy this power. You ride the wave uh, with this power, and you go along with it. And Simon ends up becoming a Christian. But it is so much more power than you were thinking. It's such a part of the series in the book of Acts is the power of the Holy Spirit and the crazy things that the Holy Spirit accomplishes. And it's the reason that we're here, that the church, like, like was like a rocket ship taking off in those early days the plot of acts is basically this the disciples wait for god to show up and do crazy things god shows up and does crazy things the disciples tell everybody about the crazy things that god has done um that's it whether they want to hear it or not they tell them and people are people are changed by the power of the holy spirit part of sabbatical for me um, is spending some time with the Lord. And this is you, if you've been here for a while, you've heard this in me, um, of just thinking, repenting from doing too much on my own power, on our own power, and not, and thinking we've missed the boat on the Holy Spirit in some ways um, that really matter in finding that. We've scratched the surface on this power. And um, a lot of what I think is going on in America with the church today is that we're, we're, we're looking for a power that we can control. We're thinking that what we need as the church and as, as Christians is political power, when really what we need is the power of the Holy Spirit in ways that we haven't known it um, for a long time. It, this is what's happening with the disciples, I think, is so relevant to right now. When they're looking for the kingdom of Israel, they're thinking about a map. They're thinking about a map, and the map says Rome, and they want the map to say Israel. They want Israel to be in charge of things, and they think that's going to be a good thing um, because they think they'll do well with power. And Jesus is thinking, like, the map should say God. 
that God is in control, but not in a political sense. A kingdom, someone said this to me a long time ago, it made so much sense. A kingdom is a span of control. And so on a map, where, where it says United States, the United States government has control over that part of the map. The map of the kingdom of God is our souls. A political kingdom is imposed from the outside. The kingdom of God is surrendered to from the inside. And so the kingdom of God is right here in this room right now. It's in your heart and my heart as we've surrendered to the Lord. And it probably, it probably fluctuates like by the, by the week, by the day, by the minute, the places in our hearts where we have surrendered to him. You know? And so the church um, in America, we put a lot of hope in the political system because individually over a couple hundred years, so many people have been surrendered or at least surrendered to a Judeo-Christian worldview and it's a democracy and so that trickles up into the political system and so it's looked like the church has had a lot of power and but that's been that's just been changing because people the kingdom of God has been waning in individual hearts and so in a democracy that's going to play itself out in the political system and so we cling to it thinking the political power is the answer if we can just win an election but that's because it seems to us like that would be easier to control then it would be to control the kingdom of God in people's hearts. And that's because it would be easier to win an election to control the kingdom of God in people's hearts because that is a work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts um, and in our churches and in our families and in our communities and in our country. And I would argue it's been the influence of the United States on the world over 250 years has been unbelievable and, and awesome and in part because people are on board with the Judeo-Christian worldview, but that's waning, and it's going to keep waning. And the answer, it, I mean, we should be engaged politically. That's great. We should take stands on issues. We should, you know, be concerned about candidates. We just have put way too much hope in that and way too little hope in the Holy Spirit. I was listening to, and I put this out in the, in the weekly. I put a blurb in the weekly, and it was a talk by Chuck Colson. Anybody heard of Chuck Colson before? Um, he passed away about 10 years ago, and he, he started uh, prison, what was it called? Prison Fellowship? Because um, he was in the Nixon White House, and then he went to prison for some bad things he did. He became a Christian in there, and, but he was just a common, like a, he was great on, on commentating between culture and church. And in this, it was his last talk, actually. He gave this talk, and then he passed away, like right then. And um, he was talking about culture, and cult and how those things are related. And so I looked this up. It's a British um, historian named Christopher Dawson that talked about this stuff. And he said, a social culture is an organized way of life which is based on a common tradition and conditioned by a common environment. It's clear that a common way of life involves a common view of life, common standards of behavior, and common standards of value, of value. And so he says, and consequently, a culture is a spiritual community um, at its core, therefore, in, whether it recognizes it or not, therefore, from the beginning, the social way of life, which is culture, has been deliberately ordered and directed in accordance with the higher laws of life, which are religion. So he's really saying there is a cult in all cultures, and the culture is shaped around beliefs. Um, and now we've got, a, we've got competing cults. We've just got competing belief systems at the core and a fractured culture. Uh, and the kingdom of God coming to individual hearts is the only thing that's going to 
change that. And so the church shouldn't waste time um, looking for the wrong, or too much time looking for the wrong type of power. And so there's a how of the ki- what kingdom is going to come, the kingdom of God, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and God. And so here's the last thing he says. Our role is to be witnesses to the power and presence of God in our lives, in our world. And so it's not a map. It's much, much bigger than that. It's people's hearts. It's God's capturing people's hearts in for them, Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he said that, I, they probably had to realize that could take thousands of years. Um, a, uh, a pastor named John Stott talked about the kingdom this way. He said, the kingdom of God is his rule set up in the lives of his people by the Holy Spirit. It is spread by witnesses, not by soldiers, through a gospel of peace, not a declaration of war, and by the, by the word of the Spirit, not by force of arms, political intrigue, or revolutionary violence. And so it's us witnessing the power of God. Um, if you could think of the last thing you witnessed that you really wanted people to know about. It's probably, if you're active on social media, it's whatever the last thing is you put on social media, right? Um, whatever you put on Instagram, or if you put out a TikTok video, like that's, it was the last thing you wanted people to see. But we do this all the time. Um, I wanted a witness this week. My, someone stole my 75-year-old mother's wallet uh, while she was at Marshall's. How do you feel about that, Mom? Uh, she's here this morning, and man, I was so ticked. I know this must happen all the time, but not when it's your mother. So I went to Marshall's to try and find the security video, and it's just a harder process than we thought, but they have it. And I wanted to get a video of the person, because what they did is immediately, they went to Starbucks and tried to to spend like $1,000 and to Target and to Best Buy, and they, they actually were in the Wake Forest and Coles and spent... I mean, it's all fine, you know what I mean? Because the credit card people are on top of this. But it's not fine that somebody stole a 75-year-old woman's, sorry, mom, wallet and, and ripped her off. So I wanted to get the person, a, a picture of the person taking it and then a picture of their face walking on a Marshalls and then come up with my own little video and trying to get it to go viral to see who knows this person because I'd like a word with them. Uh, I wanted a witness. You know, um, someone, someone sent me a clip, Will sent me a clip um, last week, and it was someone's a sermon about his Easter-ish sermon. It was a guy in Cleveland who's from Scotland, Alistair Begg, one of my favorite preachers, and he was talking about the, the, um, the thief on the cross that Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he was like thinking about this guy getting to heaven and, and people being surprised that this thief was there because he's probably dressed in ratty stuff. I don't know what you're dressed in in heaven. So, and they're like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I don't, you know, I just, this is where the guy told me to come. He said, well, what, what are you, like, on what basis are you here? Like, what's, what's your doctrine of, what, of justification? He's like, Justif- what if, whatification? Like, what are you talking about? Or what do you think about the five points of Calvinism? Like, well, who's Calvin? And he said, well, why are you here? And he said, well, the guy in the middle cross told me that I could come. That's a great line right there, you know? That's something you share. Um, a couple weeks before that, the U.S. men's national team was playing somebody. I don't remember who, but Christian Pulisic had a goal. Holy moly. And so I found it on Twitter and, um, and texted it to my boys because it was worth seeing. A couple months before that, 
My son had a goal against, who was that goal against? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the next day, they sent out the video of it, and I made sure that my, um, uh, that my other son, who's at college, had it. Like, you wanted them to see that stuff. Uh, my wife came home this week and witnessed something that I can't say what it is because there's, like, HIPAA laws and stuff. Um, but suffice to say, there are really, she is a pediatric nurse, there are really bad people in the world. Um, we witness things, and we pass, them, we pass them along to people. And Jesus is really saying, hey, you don't, you don't have to do a lot here. The Holy Spirit's going to do a lot. You have to be ready to testify to what the Holy Spirit has done. You have to pay attention to what God is doing. You're going to receive something or you're going to see something starting with the resurrection of Jesus, with a guy that was raised from the dead. And as we go through Acts, it is going to be over and over again. It is not going to be, this guy was such a teacher. Oh, man, I wish you'd heard his teaching. They don't say that. They say Jesus rose from the dead. He, a guy rose from the dead. That is the primary thing that they witness to. But it extends beyond that. And we witness the forgiveness of our sins, or the removal of our, of our shame, or healing from past sins or wounds, or a better understanding of who we are and who God is and how life works, and it actually working as we surrender to the kingdom of God within us. Um, it's not just the resurrection. In um, it, the way that he starts this book, in, his, in, his, in the first book, O Theopolis, of I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach uh, until the day he was taken up. And so it, he began to do until the day he was taken up, but that means he's still doing stuff. And the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, but it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus is still doing in our world. And do we testify to the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the gospel? A couple years ago, we started, we, we, we began the habit of starting every staff meeting with good news, where we're just trying to recall and celebrate the things that God has been doing in and around our church. And, and it's easier now, but at first it was hard because we realized all we think about are the problems. We don't celebrate the good things uh, that God has done. Our th three, four times a year, we've got Sunday night potlucks, family meetings. We start those off with just what's God been doing in your life. When we had the Good Friday service with Chosen, they had a little different way of doing it, which we're probably going to steal because I really liked it. They'd, it's one word. It's just one word, and they all say it. It's one word, and like one word that describes what God's doing right now and a little bit of, a little bit of description about what God's doing in your life um, right now. we got to pay attention to it, and some of it is crazy. Susan, a couple months ago, talked about this crazy little story of finding her son's book that she'd passed off and he was looking for. Does anybody remember hearing that story when Susan? You remember it because it's crazy. And you thought, that stuff doesn't just happen. When, um, when, we, hired, when we brought John on staff uh, a little over a year and a half, or about a year and a half ago, there was a crazy story that happened with that whole process about a resume. And if I told anybody the resume story, if I told you John's resume story, I haven't told her break it, but it, it was crazy. And sometimes... It's crazy stuff, and it's not all the time, and maybe that's because we can't handle things being crazy. We need some, like, logic behind things. Maybe, 
Or maybe we just don't trust God enough for the crazy stuff because we're scared to depend on the Holy Spirit that we, the way that we're supposed to. This is, again, a question that I'm asking on sabbatical. Um, but I do think, man, a lot of what we're supposed to testify to is just God's faithfulness because his word is true and the gospel is real and surrendering to him and trusting him in your day-to-day life works. And we can suppress the truth for as long as we want to, but I've said this a bunch, you hold a watermelon underwater, as soon as you let go of it, it's coming back up. The truth is the truth. And in a world where truth is seen as relative, when the truth comes back up, that's something worth testifying to. And it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be crazy, you know? Um, my oldest son is at college, and it's just been a good year. And I, I attribute that a lot to the faithfulness of a church that's ministered to him over 19 years of his life. And just things kind of working that the way that they're supposed to. Uh, whatever it is, I'm learning in my sermon every week by Thursday. I'm going to tell people about it and just testify to it. And um, I think that's what our world needs. Um, you know, the, I, love, I love the mega church. I miss hope uh, the church that we came from in a lot of ways i think there's a temptation when you get to that scale that you can you can make everything a light show so to speak and think we can control this and make something really fantastic but that's not ultimately what people want people need to see how god's working and god is definitely working in people's lives at hope that's not what i'm saying but like people want they'll know your christians by your love for one another and they need a group of people that loves the lord and really loves each other, like gospel loves each other, and to see the Holy Spirit at work, and that's going to change people. We're called to be witnesses of the work of God um, in and around us, and we're called to be witnesses whether we want to or not. Sometimes you're, you're, you testify regardless of whether or not, um, whether or not you want to, but that's what you're called to be, is witnesses of what God's done. And increasingly in our world, you're going to be witness to something that God's done um, faithfully. And people are not just going to think that's crazy, but they might even think it's evil. But God's going to work through, um, through all of that. Now, if I back up in all of this and the disciples saying, hey, are you going to, do we get the kingdom now? Is that what, our job? And he says, well, I'm not going to tell you when the Holy Spirit's going to come and you're going to have to depend on the Holy Spirit and then you're going to tell people about what I've done. Honestly, that's a little dissatisfying. I'm not even a type A person and I still want a timeline and some control over the process. <laughs> and dependence takes quite a bit of work. Um, and I think a lot of times we're engaged in the wrong type of work when it comes to uh, dependence. You know, Jesus himself said, my father is always at work and I'm watching to see what he's doing and joining him in his work. And so there's probably a lot more prayer necessary, and we don't gauge, engage in it enough. But at the end of the day, um, and I've been thinking about this a lot, probably the last four to six months, just in different seasons, you think about ministry in different ways, that it's not that hard, you know? And there's a lot of agricultural metaphors that Jesus used. And so this is about planting seeds, watering seeds, praying for growth, watching for growth, and celebrating growth. Like, that's it. And so planting seeds. We talked in this cultural engagement forum. We had a couple meetings, and we'll pick that up after, um, after I come back. But 
we talked about what in our culture right now, engaging it, what, what the hard topics are, why they're so hard, and what would make the conversation easier. And everything in the what would make the conversation, almost everything was relationship. Like if we really love people well, not for the sake of the gospel, but as a result of the gospel, not a bait and switch, love people so you can talk to them about Jesus, just love people because Jesus loves people, then those conversations about things that can be difficult are a whole lot easier uh, because love is at the core of it. And that's planting seeds, you know? Um, I have a physical therapist right now because I'm old and my shoulder's kind of messed up. And so I've seen him four or five times. I really like the guy, he's about my age. Um, it's from up north someplace, really down-to-earth guy. And, and I will throw out that I'm a pastor early because it, it gives me a lot of information how people respond when you tell them that you're a pastor. It's great. And uh, you should just tell people that you're a pastor sometime and see what happens. And, but this last time, and we haven't talked. He hasn't engaged it. We haven't talked a lot about faith. But this last time we got into, remember the fiction kitchen thing that I talked about a few weeks ago where they had to vote about whether or not they were going to wear masks? And I use that to say, in a culture where things are relativistic, um, power or truth is going to be determined by power. Truth is going to be determined by power. And we got in that conversation all the way down to the Garden of Eden and the trees. God put the tree in the middle of the garden. And it was just a great conversation, and he got it. And, like, truth is real. And, like, that's just a seed, you know? Just planting seeds and watering seeds and watching to see what God's going to do. Um, this... Sunday mornings, there's a whole lot of watering seeds. Uh, I, there's a card in your, um, if you're not serving in some way, we put a serve card with some, some places where you can serve. If you're not serving, and this, you consider Oak City your church, you should be serving in some way. We need you to, because uh, you're a part of the body of Christ, and you need to. That's what you're supposed to be doing, and you miss out when you're not serving. It doesn't have to be the church. It's not... Like, it by, you know, but, but the kingdom in some way, and most of the time, for most people, that's going to be the church. And what happens on Sunday mornings is a lot of watering seeds. Like, guest services is on there. We need, we, need our, we need our guest services team, like, just redone coming out of COVID. And it is so, I want, um, church is the scariest place to come to if you haven't been to church in a while, even if You've, if you've never been to a specific church and you come on sabbatical, I'm going to go to some other churches. I am not going to enjoy the first few minutes of getting there. Do you know what I mean? Some of you are here for the first time. You know exactly what I mean. Um, it's just this church, the nature of it. You think everybody knows everybody except for you, which isn't the case, but that's what you think. And so having, we need some more signage down by the road, letting people know, hey, you're in the right place and coming up the hill. I want, I want guest services folks with t-shirts that say, welcome to Oak City Church, so that when new people come in, they know someone's there to make sure they know where to go. Like, we know they're coming, and we're happy that they're here. Just subtle ways to communicate that. We need that team beefed up so we can do that. Children's ministry, planting seeds, watering seeds, every single week, every single week, the chance to, to love kids in the name of Jesus and tell them about the love of Jesus is just such a huge opportunity. And we need the consistency of people doing that so the kids know who they are. Our, um, our worship ministry, uh, we, we lost some depth during COVID 
you know, in our areas on the worship ministry. We know some of you guys are holding out. Uh, we need you jumping in. Um, we didn't know Kevin Carrado was a drummer six months ago. He's doing an awesome job. Like, we, we need you to step in with that. And so I would encourage you, if, if, if you consider Oak City your church, or when you consider Oak City your church, fill this out. Let us know. You can put it in this bowl up here. You can put it in one of the boxes in the back, and, and the right person will get in touch with you. But that's all a part of planting seeds and watering seeds because when people see the church gathered, when people see a group of people that love each other well, um, that matters. That communicates something. It is the body of Christ. Uh, and pray for growth. Pray that God would be at work. Watch for growth. Get used to asking the question, where have you seen God at work in your heart, in your family, in your school, in your workplace, in your church, in your world, to each other? Like taking, it's an easy way to take a conversation to a spiritual level and just say, hey, where's God been at work in your life? And it, there's going to be a pause that's embarrassing and like, oh, man, uh, maybe God's not at work. Maybe he's not even there. Maybe I'm not a Christian. Like that's where you go. And then after a few minutes, you're like, no, he is. He is. And here's where he's at work. And that, that changes things. And then just celebrate the goodness of God. It's, it's not, um, it's not tremendously difficult. He made it pretty easy for us.